Uh, so, um, I don't want to get called old after this, but I guess I've always kind of been an old soul. Um, when I was in college, one of my f- one of my favorite singers to listen to in college. Anybody want to take a guess who that was? What's that? Oh no, Michael Bolt. What Michael Bolt? Close to twenty. Tony Bennett. Frank Sinatra. I like Frank Sinatra. And I went through a fra- phase where I hear I'm in my 20s, and it's early 2000s, and I'm listening to Frank Sinatra with my tape player. Yeah, I had a tape player. I didn't upgrade the CD player yet. Because, um, yeah, <laughs> I think I was driving something like a 1988 car around. It was, it was okay. It got me from point A to point B. It was good. Um, but I've always kind of been an old soul. So, But I sat there, what I want to talk about today, and um, I was out in the garden. And I was kind of, you know, kind of looking around. And all Monday, so we we went VBS, and then 3 a.m. Friday morning after VBS ended, we got up and drove to Florida. Uh, my phone said, or my watch said I got an hour and nine minutes of sleep because Lucy had kicked me out of bed. And so I'm like, okay, we can do this. And I s- drove most of the way, and she drove a little bit, and I drove again. It was a, uh, um, but then we got home, and, and I knew, like, getting back that my garden was going to be, it was going to look bad, right, because it was already weedy, because I had, you know, VBS week, I didn't have a whole lot of time to get to the garden, and um, so I, uh, when I knew it would get back, so Carrie's like, okay, I'll tell you what we'll do, she had to work, so Carrie's even worse, right, because we get home Thursday, and then she goes straight to work that night, we get home at 3.45 a.m. Thursday morning, and then we get in and sleep. And so, like the kids, you would think, okay, they're going to sleep in. No. Right? Because they slept all the way home in the car. They were fine. You know, and I, I, I slept a little bit while I was driving. Probably not the best thing to do. I will say this, though. If you're ever on the road and you see a sign for Bucky's, you want to stop. All right, so Bucky's is it like we were like it's a gas station. Abram was like, "Why are you guys excited about stopping at a gas station?" And Abram, we get in there, and Abram goes, "This is not a gas station." Okay, they're getting ready to build the world's largest Bucky's convenience store in Johnson City, Texas, or something Johnson County, Texas. It's going to be seventy-five thousand square feet. A super Walmart's one hundred fifty thousand square feet. This is half the size of a super Walmart, and it's a gas station. All right, but that was my saving grace. I stopped and got my protein pack and a water, and I've made it the rest of the way home. But Monday, Carrie's like, we're going to get up, and we're going to go to the garden. And we worked um, for about six hours. We were both pulling weeds and everything, and so we're, we're pulling the weeds. And I know my AARP card is coming soon, Pastor, so... It'll be here before you know it. All right, where I picked up my little cucumber, my little cu- Maggie went out there, or Lucy went out and picked one. I'm like, no, oh, okay. So, wasn't quite ready yet. <laughs> it's okay. At least she didn't pick the green tomatoes yet. Um, but we're out in the garden, so God, I, I was kind of sitting there, and I, I've noticed that that's kind of my time when I'm doing yard work or gardening. That's when I... God kind of speaks to me. It's kind of my quiet time when my headphones are dead and I'm not listening to a podcast. So maybe I should find some more quiet time. And so I want to talk about today is the parable of the sower. So God was kind of speaking to me. And, and so we're gonna, I'm just going to read the entire parable to you and then the explanation of the parable. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. Before I go on, so this is a, does anybody know what a paradigm is? So a paradigm is spelled P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M. It's a paradigm, not a paradigms, like two dimes. Um, but it's, it's the way you see something. Okay, so it's your viewpoint on something. So I'm sitting there, and this is one of my favorite parables, and I think it might be one of my favorite parables because Jesus explains it, like, right afterwards, because I'm not smart enough to get the parables all the time, 
you know. And so he explains it right afterwards. And he began to shift a little bit my paradigm of this. And that's going to play a really big part in this lesson tonight is the, the shifting or that changing of the paradigm. But here we are in chapter 13. On the, that day, Jesus went out of the house. And I'm in the, I have the Holman Christian Standard, so it may be a little different than yours, um, whichever one you're reading out of. And so on that day, Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea. Such large, large crowds gathered around him, around him that he got into a boat and sat down while the whole crowd stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he was sowing, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky ground where there wasn't much soil, and they sprang up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered. Others fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them. Still others fell on good ground and produced a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what was sown. Anyone who has ears should listen. And we'll say that to our kids every once in a while. That always sounds uh, biblical, if you can finish it with that. Anyone who has ears should hear or should listen. Um, and then why Jesus used parables. And the disciples came and asked him, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered them, because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but it has not been given to them. For whoever has, more will be given to him, and he will have more than enough. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. For this reason, I speak to them in parables, because looking, they do not see, and hearing, they do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in, in them, which says, you will, not lis you will listen and listen, yet never understand, and you will look and look, yet never perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous, their eyes are hard of hearing, and they, they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they may, might see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn back, and I would cure them. But your eyes are blessed because they do see, and your ears because they do hear. For I assure you, many prophets and righteous people long to see the things you see, yet didn't see them, to hear the things you hear, yet didn't hear them. Okay, so now here we get into the parable of the sower explained. You then listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. And the one sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but is short-lived. When pressure or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now the one sown along the, among the thorns, thorns, this is the one who hear the, hears the word. But the worries of this age and the seduction of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But the one sown on good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, who does, who does bear fruit and yield some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times what was sown. Okay, so here we have the parable of the sower and then the explanation of it. And so my viewpoint, so I, every time I read this, I was just kind of like thought this was, the, it was certain people, right? They were put in these categories, But as I'm, I'm sitting there on Monday and I'm kind of looking through or I'm kind of, you know, pulling weeds and just kind of having this, it's, it's a dialogue, right? Because it's in my own head, but I'm having this conversation. And I begin to ask some, some questions. And so the, the viewpoint, my viewpoint how it changed was it went from to seasons. Are these seasons... In life, And so then some questions started to pop up, right? So the questions, here's some of the questions. Can a Christian's heart become hard or hardened over time? And if yes, then how can you tell? What are the signs or symptoms that your heart is beginning to harden? And then if you have signs or symptoms, how can you fix the situation? And so I personally have just come out of a, I don't know if it, it was completely hardened, um, but I really needed this word because I've, I've struggled recently. Um, I've become hard, hardened, and so I knew the answers already, but I, God likes to ask questions, you know, like, that's how he pokes certain things, he asks these questions, and so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I, I know that I'm on this um, this path, and I've been here before, and I know, um, but I just knew that I was in a season where my heart 
was hardened. And so I'm going to we're going to go to I want you to find Hebrews chapter three, verses 12 and 13 or write that down if you're taking notes, because this is kind of where we're going to go back to um, in just a second. We're kind of going to go back and forth here. I'm trying to figure out how I want to map this. So in Hebrews chapter, I'm going to read verses uh, 12 first of all. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12. It says, watch out brothers, so there won't be any of you, so, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. And so when we read about the parable of the sower, we're talking about four different heart conditions. These are conditions, these are, so when you go in and, and, and maybe you're having some, some chest pain or you're, or you're having some, uh, some kind of trouble, and then you go to the doctor, and what does the doctor, well, I guess it would be a prescription, but what are the, how does the doctor diagnose what's going on with you? They might do a scope. Has anybody ever had a stress test? Right? Sometimes you don't know what's, um, what's matter until you put stress on your heart. Sometimes we need a spiritual EKG to know what is going on. And I love here that it talks about now, you can be brothers and sisters, but you need to be around other Christians. I think that's where we get our spiritual EKG from. It kind of been going to rub off on you, right? Have you ever noticed that? Um, I re so I remember in college I had this, um, it wasn't the best years of my life, um, and I lived off campus one year, and I, I love these guys. These guys were, were great roommates, but they were kind of rough. Uh, they were non-practicing Catholics. I don't know if you, I'm not like disparaging Catholics, but uh, so uh, I did start to give up stuff for Lent when I lived with them. It was like rubbed off, you know. And so one of my roommates gave up watermelon for Lent. But watermelon doesn't grow in, like they weren't giving up much, right? There was a non-practicing Catholic thing there. But I began to, I had one roommate, I don't think he was Catholic at this time. Um, but I began to speak like him. And it wasn't very good. Because you begin to... When you're around people, you, they begin to rub off, rub off on you. You guys ever noticed that? You guys ever, like maybe, have you and your spouse, if you're married, begin to like pick up phrases from each other? You guys, you guys notice that? Or maybe you have a good friend you pick up phrases from. See, when we're around the brothers, you guys can kind of tell, kind of looking at a spiritual EKG, knowing where you are at that point. And we're going to come back because verse 13 is really good. So it was these two verses together. But watch out, brothers, so there won't be in, in, in of you an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. So that kind of tells me the answer to question number one, right? Can a Christian heart become hard or hardened? Yes. Right? If you start to, it's kind of like if you're, if you're an athlete. Maybe you were a good athlete at one point or... Um, had a movie reference come to my head. Sorry, Pastor. Dodgeball. Have you ever seen a movie Dodgeball? A true underdog story. Funny story about that. I was uh, on 105.5. I was going to work one day, and uh, they had movie trivia, and I got it right, and I'm a PE teacher. So they're like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to work. And they're like, where do you work? Well, actually, I'm a PE teacher. Dodgeball it is for the day. All right, we're going to play some dodgeball. All right. But if you get into a part, if you're an athlete, and you stop being athletic, what happens to you? It's not a good sign, right? I used to be able to like bend over and pick stuff up off the floor without, okay, is anybody, is anybody, uh, is anybody else? Okay, 
Like, I used to be able to do, you know, boom. Like, I just did it there because I was in front of people, you know. Or how many of you make this noise? Ugh. Is that anybody? Is there anybody else that? So if you've been an athlete and you stop being an athlete, you stop taking care of yourself. You stop working out. You stop eating right. There are daily habits that you need to do to stay in shape. Right? What are some of the signs that I don't work out anymore? Well, maybe my clothes don't fit the way they probably should, they used to. That might be one of the signs, right? I can't bend over anymore. Now, as a Christian, what are some of these signs that maybe your heart has become hardened? I think I heard someone ask, answer the question earlier. I, they said, you don't care anymore. Who said that? That was, I heard somebody. You, don't, you just don't care. Right? Maybe you've been unmoved in worship recently. Maybe the worship has been good. I know it's not at our church. Our worship is excellent. So maybe it's, you know, maybe uh, I, I had wrote a, like testimonies. What testimonies don't touch you anymore? Um, I know with me, one of the things is teaching-wise. I don't put the time in. I kind of rely on things I've already learned. I don't want to say I phone them in, but I'm like, ah, I know this story. I'm not going to reread it. I've read it and read it and read it before. I know when my heart is becoming hard. And I don't know if it ever gets back to that stony hard place. But I can tell when my, I'm heading down that, that path. But let's go here. I'm, I'm going to kind of transition here. So let's talk about the four heart conditions that we find ourselves in. All right, the first one is the hardened heart. So I remember I was watching this video, and it was talking about, you guys know Psalms 23, right? He makes me lie down. He leads my, by green pastures. Do you, guys, do you guys, like, so when we think of green pastures, we think of these wide open fields. Do you know what a green pasture is in Israel? It's like a path like this big of grass. And then everything else beside it is dirt. All right, and so, I forgot where I was going with that, but I'll come back in just a second. All right, I know where I was going with that. Everything else is hard on the side. Sometimes I get on track. I have no idea where I'm going, and hopefully I get back. It's just, it's just the way it is. Um, but everything else is hard. And I, can t I, can, I, I know, like, as I'm looking at myself, there aren't a whole lot of areas that are arable, that are farmable. That the soil isn't really good. But God can use the soil he can find. That's, what I'm, that's where I was going with Psalm 23. But the path has been beaten down. Seed cannot make its way into the soil. I don't care how good the word is. If you have a hard heart, it's not going to make it in. It's just not going to make it in there. You're not going to get... What you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to be getting. So there's a couple of verses here that I thought maybe we could cure or fix the situation, right? And he even talked about curing them in that one part in, in Matthew. Um, Hosea 10, 12. In Hebrews, or excuse me, Ezekiel chapter 36. I'm going to read Ezekiel chapter 36 first, verses 26 and 27. Now, if you've never accepted Jesus, this is the first step, right? You have to ask for a new heart. And I don't think we have to ask for a new heart once we've received one, right? Because the, the work has been done. We've received that it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. All right, so the first thing that you have to do 
is ask for a new heart. That's the step. That's the, that's the first step in this, this, this path that we're on, that you have to ask for a new heart. But what if you've already asked for, you, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He's given you a new heart. But you've noticed that maybe you've lost some of those. And I always say, like, it's, it's, it's a simple. And I always, like, when we break it down for kids, I always feel like, man, this is so simple. But it's not easy. Right? Because what am I going to say? What are, the, like, the steps that you have to take? Like, if I, if I asked you if you want to get back in shape, what are the things that you would have to do to get back in shape? Physically. Okay, Okay. exercise, what else? You got to eat better, what else? Anything else I'm missing? You got to make good choices, right? It's, pretty, it's, it's easy, or it's simple, but it's not easy, right? Has anybody ever tried to get back in shape once you weren't in shape? And it's not as easy getting back into it, right? So what are the things, how do you stay spiritually healthy? What are the things that you have to do to stay spiritually healthy? Pray. What's that? Read the Bible. Study. I heard study. Fellowship. What else? You got Now I feel like Hulk Hogan up here. If you know any of that, pray five times. Take your vitamins. Sorry. All right. Let's try that. I would flex, but I'd just embarrass myself. All right, so. So what else? Is there anything else? It's quiet time, worship time. But is it easy? Maybe that's where we get in the second and the third one. So we do these habits, right? And I like Hosea 10, 12 here. So here, talking about Israel's defeat because of sin. Here we go. And that's kind of what this is in. All right. But he's in verse 12, Hosea verse 12. It says, sow righteousness for yourselves and reap faithful love. Break up your untilled ground. It is time to seek the Lord until he comes and sends righteousness on you like the rain. It is break up your untilled ground. All right. So. It has been dried. Anybody get that storm that came through today, though? Anybody lose some limbs in their yard? I had one limb down. Carrie had to turn around on Mount Pleasant Road because there was a tree had fallen right there in the middle. So it was a, it was a pretty good storm. But the ground is hard. I love this. You have to till, break up your untilled ground. So how many of you have ever tilled a garden? All right, how many of you had the, uh, see, it's the rear tines better than the front tine there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many of you have ever done it with like a front, front tine? It can kind of beat you up, right? Actually, I, I met Greg Mitchell about five years before he came to our church because he sold me a rear tine. He said, it's going to sound like, feel like a Cadillac. And I'm like, it did. I still have it. It's wonderful. It's, it's great. But I had, a, I had a neighbor. His name was Fred. Fred's passed since, um, but he was like a, he was almost like a, he was, he was the same age as my dad, but I looked at him as like a grandfather, because he just seemed so much older, and uh, he had like three acres in town, so we used to live over on 39th Street, and um, his dad used to own like all that, now there, there were a bunch of houses that had been built on there, and he said he would take a hoe to three acres of land. He would work all week. He drove a truck. He'd come home on the weekend, and they planted potatoes. Potatoes will grow anywhere. That's, that's why everybody grows them. They'll grow just, just about anywhere. And he said he would take, because I was complaining because I was hot and tired from tilling a garden that was like this big. You know, I was just complaining. He's like, yeah, my dad, he'd just take, this, take a hoe and till all this ground. Sometimes it takes a little bit of work, right, to till up, break up that untillable, untilled ground. Sometimes you have to work a little harder to get there, depending on the, the condition of your heart. So that's like the worst, if you're in the hardened heart one, that's the worst place you could, right, that's the, 
the word doesn't even sink in because you're not spiritually ready to listen and to understand. And then here comes Satan. He snatches away from you so you can't even grab it. Okay, the second one. Here we got the second one. Now this one is a, excuse me, a shallow heart. And I don't, we're going to be back in Matthew chapter 13 here. And the one sown on rocky ground, this is one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. In verse 21, yeah, he has, okay, let's just stop right there. As I'm reading that, does that sound bad? I'm going to read it again. And the one sown on rocky ground, this is one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Does that sound bad to anybody else? I even wrote in my note, I, I, I was studying today, and I put a little line there, and I wrote, well, I can't really read it now, but I said, is this bad? Obviously it is, right? Because there's only, of the four heart conditions, there's only one that is where we want to be. But why is that bad? What's that? He didn't have any roots, and so it's kind of like this. This is what I... How many of you are introverted? Okay, so everybody, all the introverts are a little scared to raise their hand because they're introverted. It's just cool. It's all right because I know it's more than three people. Okay, how about this? I'm going to ask you this question. How many of you ever make plans for like two weeks out? Because you're like, oh, yeah, we can do this in two weeks. And then two weeks later, you're like, oh, we got to go do that. And you don't really want to. Is there anybody else that does that? Go. I see people laughing, so I know they've probably done that before. And you're kind of waiting on the other person to cancel. Is there anybody else that, like, okay, maybe they'll cancel. Maybe you never know. <laughs> no, am I the only one? Okay, there's a few of you, right? You know, because you know what you didn't do? You didn't count the cost before you made the plans. Or maybe your extroverted self made the plans, and your introverted self was like, oh, no, I got to do this. In Luke chapter 14, verse 28, this is, a, this is kind of a parable that he was talking about. And I hope I have that right because I didn't write it down <laughs> in my notes. Um, let's see, I'll, I'll go there and I'll read it. All right, for which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? All right, and so these are some... <sighs> This isn't the, how many of you have ever had that friend that said, yeah, I'll be there, I'll come to help you, and then that friend doesn't show up, you know, and then you call the friend, you're like, I forgot, right, and you didn't want to, like, remind them, because you didn't want to be rude, but I, we all have friends like that, sometimes I forget on purpose, like, oh, I was supposed to go, I was supposed to go do that today, wasn't I? Like being no graduate. Did anybody go to Brino graduation this year? You, it was it was quick. I heard because I thought it was like gonna be like three hours long. My nephew was graduating, and then I I I kind of forgot about it because I I'm like why? Because I live out by the high school. I'm like why are those people going to the high school? That's weird. And then I go and then I then I was I didn't want to walk in late. You know, but I didn't, I, I kind of said I was going to be there, and then I kind of forgot. Because I didn't count the cost. This is kind of the problem with those. And, and the, the second problem is, did they even think about it? Did you think constructively about what you heard? Because there is a faith that goes into believing, but you also have to kind of know what is being said. And contemplate what is being said. Right? It's kind of like when you're talking to somebody. Has anybody ever heard just word listen to somebody? You know what I mean by that? You just like listen to the words. You don't pick up on their body language. That they're being sarcastic maybe. Is there anybody? Right? And so you just pick up on the. Maybe you're hearing the words. But you're not really picking up the meaning behind it. And so you don't have anything 
deep there because you haven't really thought about this. Bless you. You haven't really thought about what you've heard. So you don't have it down deep. And so what happens is the life comes at you. And I, like, I always try to be honest with kids, right? We're, and, and so when we're teaching kids, we're trying to get it at a, at, at a, at a, at a level. So th the hard part is, you know, trying to find where everybody's ability is. You know, that's kind of why I asked what, if you knew what a paradigm was. Because I've used words in, in, in class with kids. And I'm like, do you know what this word means? And they're like, no, I don't. <laughs> I'm like, like this, duh. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but they, and so I was using, I forget, it was just Sunday, I was using a word. And I used it a couple times, and I was like, do you even know what that word means? And they're like, no. I'm like, so then I re-explained it. I forget, I forget what the word was. It was, that was Sunday. Sorry, got that. But we're trying to find that level where these, where, where, and, and so we want, because we want to, we want to give them spiritual truths that they can think about. We want to arm them, because here's the thing, the world is coming at them. The world's coming at all of us. It's offering us things. Um, even here when you're talking about this, it says they were, um, when the pressure or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So the world is coming at them. Um, I even explained this there day. I said, uh, Peter talks about, I'm pretty sure it's Peter talks about, could have been James too. Sydney Bush, she knows her stuff. She'll, because I'm like, the Bible describes Satan as a roaring lion, ready to devour any that he can. And then she's like, well, isn't Jesus the lion of Judah? And I'm like, yes. Because what Satan does, and I said, how did, I said, God created this entire place, everything that, with what? With his words, right? Out of nothing, bara, he created everything. Well, Satan can't create anything. But what Satan does, he takes what God has created and he perverts it. I can say that word. I couldn't say that word on Sunday. I had to like say, you know, see, that's where I was trying to meet at their levels here, right? And so I'm like, he, he changes and it's just a little change. It kind of looks like it. I remember hearing the story one time and it was about this, uh, these three guys and they were in this kingdom and they wanted to win the princess's hand and the king said, well, you have to make it through this forest, right? And so... The, they, they make it through the forest, and in this forest there were these little creatures, right? But the way that you could he get to the king, to the castle, was the king would play this tune, okay? And so they all get in there, and all these little guys, and like it was the strongest and the fastest and the wisest guy. And they could pick one companion to go in with them, okay? And so they go in there, and he, the guy who told the story was much funnier than I was. And he's talking about all these things. Well, they hear the king's music. But at the same time, what they didn't know, all the little people that were in the, in the forest started playing a tune that was really close to what the king played. And you know which one made it through the fastest, the, the, uh, the strongest, or the wisest? Which one made it through? The wisest. You know who he picked as his companion? The king's son. Because he knew the tune that his father played. Right, if you have the king's son on your side, he will help you through. And so, I'm hearing that story. But see, Satan just takes it and he just changes it just a little bit. And so, pressure, persecution comes, and they immediately, and I always used to use dandelions as an example, but no, because dandelions are strong. I read this, like that's the only thing that could grow in that spot. So if you have a dandelion, just let it grow for a little bit. You can pop the head off and eat it if you want. Fried, so, and it's so much easier. Like how many of you like mushrooms? Fried dandelions taste just as good as fried mushrooms. Close. Okay, it's kind of like no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not go there. It's it's close, but it's good. Enough, like you can pick all the dandelions from your yard in the spring and not get ticks. Just there you go. That's a. Uh, 
I mean, if you want to go like on a 10-mile hike to find mushrooms, it's fine. I just never knew what weapon to use to hunt the mushrooms. Okay, sorry. I'll let a slow build there. Okay, all right. So the third one is a constricted heart. All right, so this is where that word paradigm shift comes in, okay? So we're gonna, I'm going to read what it's like in the heart of a constricted heart. Now, the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the seduction of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Okay, that could either be, that word seduction could either be pleasure or deceitfulness. Okay, so here's what happens. We get this word, and it's a constricted heart. It's thrown in. Um, how many know if you don't weed your garden, it's going to take all the nutrients for the rest of the plant? They're not going to grow as well. So you got to go out and weed your garden. How many know when you till your garden that once you till it, you get it all prepared, you get it ready? How many know weeds are going to grow? Because it's good soil. All right, here's the thing. Weeds are going to try to grow in your life. Weeds are going to try to grow in your heart because it is ready to, you're, you're, it is good soil. It's been tilled up. It is ready to go. And it, the weeds are going to come. Now, this is where the word paradigm comes into place again. You need a paradigm shift because what happens is you get choked out by the things that are going on in your life and you stop looking around you. Okay, so I was looking for examples of paradigm shifts. Okay, I got one. Okay, how many of you ever heard I Am the Greatest by Kenny Rogers? Jody East. All right, all right, Kenny has. All right, so if you guys don't know it, here's the story. A little boy goes out, all right, in his backyard and he's got a bat and a ball. Okay, and he throws it up. Before he set, throws it up, he says, I'm the greatest that has ever lived. All right, so he throws it up, greatest hitter, and he's strike one. Okay, so he picks the ball up again, probably hits his feet with the bat, you know, because that always just, oh, I don't know what he does. Actually, don't do that if you wear metal cleats, because in the sectional game, my last sectional game we played in, team, a guy from, or a bat from Lane's that to get thrown out. Because they'd hit it so many times in their metal cleats, it, like, broke the bat. And the umpire's like, no. Okay, sorry, never mind. Then turn over there. All right. Just I learned a life lesson that, that game. It's like, oh, okay. Don't hit the, okay. Um, so he picks the ball up again. And he says, I am the greatest. And he throws it up. Strike two. All right. So now he's more determined. Picks up the bat, or picks up the ball. Tosses it up again. And in his defense, tossing the ball up and hitting it looks really easy. But until you've done it, it's not. All right. There's, every time when I'm doing it, warming up the, the baseball team, I always miss at least once. Or I'll foul one off. And you're like, you, you're tossing it up. It should be easy. But shh, until you've done it. Okay, so, so he picks the ball up again. Strike three. So... He could have held his head down, but he didn't. What, how did his paradigm change after he struck himself out? What a go. He went from I'm the greatest hitter to the what? I'm the greatest pitcher. Because even I didn't know I could pitch that good. So there's a paradigm shift. Now, I'm not saying to lose yourself. But there is a paradigm shift that we have to take, right? Whenever the troubles come at us, a lot of times, well, I, okay, this is me. A lot of times I want to say, woe is me. Look at what's happening to me. Woe is me. This is happening, right? And so the pressure of everyday life comes around and I stop doing the things that I need to do because I'm worried about other things. And so when you get in that situation, you have to have a paradigm shift. So i got to find my notes here. Where are we? Um, it's James chapter 1. James chapter 1.
And this is so hard. I don't know if it's hard for anybody else. And I think it's a, you go from a hardened heart And I think there's a, a couple of different ways to look at this. I think there are, I think you could look at the parable of the sower as seasons of your Christian walk. Like from step one to step four, right? Just in chronological order. Like step one, I have a hard heart. And then the Holy Spirit begins to work on me. And then I receive it with joy. Right? But I'm not quite there yet, maybe. Maybe I haven't been discipled enough. That's where discipleship comes in. Right? Because if you, if you. You get these young Christians who are on fire, and then something bad happens, and they kind of step away, but they were never discipled in the faith. And then, so maybe they were never tested. So now we're in step three. This is that step three of, this is the constricted heart. And it says, consider it a great joy, my brother, deserves, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the, t- the testing of your, of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So here, this is the paradigm shift. This is the, the, the view, the, 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 our viewpoint, the way it must shift. When things happen in life, we can go to the woe is me or we can consider it pure joy. But that's hard, right? And we only get there through being mature. It, it, and We have this imagery of like a John Wayne figure sitting out alone. I'm sorry, I, I, Tammy, John Wayne fan. All right, there you go. Sitting out alone on the prairie by themselves. But we don't get there by ourselves. We got to surround ourselves with people who love us. I'm gonna get there. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but we're getting there. And so. Consider great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Change your paradigm, change your viewpoint. When things happen, you are being tested, and testing is a good thing. It's kind of like, so I coach. I've kind of shared that with you before. All right. So how do you know that a coach is watching you in practice or in a game. They're going to yell at you. All right? So I've, I've had meetings with, with parents and players. Why are you yelling at my kid so much? Because I think your kid has Well, and my viewpoint is I think your kid has potential. And he can be good. Or you have potential and you can't be good. That's why I'm yelling at you. If you're on a team and your coach is not yelling at you, they don't care about well, They probably still care about you. But they're not watching you. You can't help them. And that may sound mean. And I know I'm on tape. But I had a couple of kids on my baseball team this year who, had, who hadn't played baseball since like third grade. And they're sophomores in high. I'm playing on a varsity, like this is a varsity baseball team. We're facing guys who throw in the low 90s. All right, who are probably going to play Division I baseball. And I got kids who can't catch and throw. And we helped them out a little bit. We tried our best, like, because we wanted not to get hit in the face when they were throwing, right? Because, like, you know, here, you got to, you may have to move your glove a little bit. That's kind of where we were. But if this kid was out in the outfield and he missed a fly ball, did I yell at him? No. It wasn't going to help. Does that sound mean? I don't know if this is good or not, but I, I like this. All right? If you're going through trials, through temptations, you got two people watching you. Because Satan's coming after you. If you're getting to that fruitful stage, let's say we're going step one, step two, step three, step four. Right? You're in that, what, what I call it, the, uh, the constricted heart stage. And you're getting ready to get into the fruitful heart. That's one I haven't got to yet. He's going to come at you hard. He is. 
He's going to test you. He's going to tempt you. He's going to come at you because he doesn't want you to get to the fruitful heart stage. So you can either look at it as woe is me or count it as pure joy when it comes at you. Because, you know, I know something's coming. And I know that's hard to do. Or the temptations get too strong or too hard. I know it's hard to do. And you kind of want to pull away from everybody and everything. But that's the worst thing you can do. In Hebrews, it said... Uh, was it the Dear Brothers, Hebrews chapter 3. But we're going to go back to that and just say, we're going to finish with that, I think. I think I'm, I'm going uh, to be done here in a second. It's a paradigm shift. So my favorite paradigm shift in the Bible, actually we had one just recently, Jonah. How, I always thought Jonah was the good guy in the story. That guy's a jerk. Like Carrie and I, we were rereading that. And I watched this, I was watching this video on it. That guy's a jerk. God's like, go, go tell, you know, go tell him about me. He's like, no. And everybody, it's like, and all the sailors are praying. That's what we told the kids. We're like, look, these are all the people you didn't think would be, you know, and they were praying to the wrong gods. But at least they were trying. Jonah's asleep, and they're like, just throw me in the water, just throw me in the water. It's my fault. You know, then he goes, he, I, I don't, I'm going to say it's half-hearted. This is the whole thing I'm like, God can use even the half-hearted, right? Because Jonah goes in, he's not excited about it. And he tells them the story. And then they all, they all, now I, I, I read this one, even the cows, they put sackcloth on the cow. That's how serious, that, I mean, they bought in, right? When you put sackcloth on a cow, you have bought in. To the situation. And then he goes up to the, he, he's like, I don't believe it's going to happen. I, I think God's still going to judge him. So he goes up on a hill, and he's like, aha. And so God puts a tree there, so he has shade. And then a worm comes and eats the tree, and he's like, why'd you do that? He's a jerk. Like, I had never picked up on all that. He was the bad guy. Okay, another viewpoint here. I like this. This is David. Okay, this is a better paradigm shift. We've got David here. Okay, David and Goliath. Everybody saw Goliath. And I remember reading this book one time. I was, it, this is, I call it like the first three years of bad year of college, and then I was coming out of it. Right, I, you know, I was just, okay, neither here nor there. All right, so I met a good woman, Carrie. So, you know, so we're, we're coming out, you know, I'm like, okay. So, but I remember reading this, this book. And it was like, everybody else saw Goliath, and David saw God behind Goliath, asking when. It's a paradigm shift. What do you see when the troubles come? All right? What do you see? And God is going to be there. Now, I can't say everything's going to be perfect for you. I can't say that because I'd be lying to you, and I don't want to lie to you. I don't lie to the kids. You know, because sometimes you think, oh, I'll get saved, everything's better. You know, ask Jesus into my heart, everything's good now. I'm like, hey. Like, now that it's, like, everything's great. Like, you got the Holy Spirit, everything's good. Doesn't mean life's going to be perfect, though. It does change your paradigm. It changes your viewpoint to become that faithful heart. How do we get, so I said I, I want to give you um, a prescription here to have. So we're going to go back to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. Watch out, brothers, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. Here's how we do it. But encourage each other daily while it's still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deceptions. Gather daily while it's called today. If you're going through do something, don't pull back. Call somebody. Call somebody that you can trust. Exhort means to build up. That's how we get through those stages. If you feel your heart starting to harden a little bit, call somebody. Because here's why, it's not, it's, if, if you've let yourself get out of shape, you're not just going to wake up one day feeling better. You've got to start the process. All right? And the way we do that is watch out, and, and, but encourage each other daily. What is still called today so that none of you is hardened 
by sin's deception. Don't pull away. Don't find an accountability partner. Find someone that you can call, that you can talk to. Um, and I, I know you guys know this. There's people here that love you and that want to build you up. And the one to get you through those steps. All right, so that is, uh, that and asking the Holy Spirit. And then I had this one pop up too. I thought this was good. And you guys know this one. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14. Not 2 Corinthians, 2 Chronicles. I'll get it right eventually. And my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways. And I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, forgive their sin, and heal their land. If you find yourself moving away, stop and turn back, and find a brother or a sister who will exhort you. If that's what they want to do, while that day is called today. Dear Father, we love you. We thank you. Lord, I thank you for your, the spiritual EKGs that you give us. Lord, those moments that you let us know where our heart is, that you let us know what we need to do when we're there. Lord, if we have a hardened heart or if we have a, um, a, a shallow or constricted heart, Lord, those, those things that are, that are keeping us from doing the, the simple things that we know to do. Those simple things of, of just of praying, of seeking your face, of spending time with you, um, reading our Bible, spending time in worship, and spending our time in fellowship with people around us. Lord, and if we are in that fruitful stage, Lord, I ask you just help us to exhort those around us. Because here's the thing, not only is this a, a, a step one, step two, step three, step four, but Lord, we are on this this the this path together and we're going back and forth lord so if we're in that fruitful stage i ask you give us the wisdom to find someone to exhort to build up to put our arms around and love and help them lord and if we're not in that fruitful stage if we see what we're moving back and forth that we stop humble ourselves turn our face to you that we pray and that we find those brothers and sisters that can help us. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for all the work that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.